Well, good morning, Resurrection Presbyterian Church and anyone else who may be joining in. I'm Jared Bryant, the pastor. And if you're new to joining us, we are in the middle of a series called Cultivate. And to cultivate is to put the necessary time and energy into helping something grow. And during this time, we've been considering just how God is at work using uh, some very strange and challenging circumstances to do something in our midst to, to cultivate new growth and produce new life. And over the past few weeks, we've been considering many different aspects of this work. But today, I want us to slow down and consider what our role is in this work. And, and God has a role, which is absolutely vital. But today, we're going to see that it also we have an important role to play. And it's a role which requires effort, and that is energy and time and hard work, and it's a role that requires intentionality, that is planning and decisions and thought. And so we find ourselves at the beginning of the book of Acts, and where we are in history is that Jesus has recently been crucified, he has been raised from the dead, and now he has sent his spirit to empower his people. And the verses that we are looking at really capture a community actively and intentionally pursuing its own health and growth. And so, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles All the believers were together and had everything in common, and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so what we're given here is a picture of a community that is thriving, but is also pursuing their own growth. And the first thing I want to draw your attention to is really the intensity of what is happening. And it all begins in verse 42 with this small phrase, and they devoted themselves. To be devoted to something means to be committed to something. It means that there's something in your life which you say This is important. This is very important. And I'm going to give my time and my energy, my thoughts, and my love to this. And we all have things in our lives that we are devoted to. People, possessions, hobbies, sports teams. And it's good to slow down and consider what is it that we are devoted to in life? What is it that is really important? What are we giving our time and energy and thought to. Because the truth is, if something is really important to us, we will find the time to make it happen. Now I want us to consider some of what this this early group of Christians was devoted to and what they gave their time and energy and attention to. And there, there are four practices that are listed or habits or ways of life that are given that they devoted themselves to on a regular basis. So back to verse 42, 
and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. So these four practices, apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers are singled out as a way of life that this early community of faith was giving their time and intention to day after day and week after week. And what I want to do is is give two pictures to help us think about uh, these practices. So first, over the past few weeks, we've been talking a lot about the image of a garden and what's necessary for growth to take place. And, And there are many things that are outside of my control in helping the garden that I have planted to grow. But there are some things that are that are vital to growth that are within my control. So where I'm right now in my garden is every day when it doesn't rain, I, I go outside and I water it. The, the plants, they need this water in order to grow. It is vital that they have it. And so for me, there is a daily practice or habit or way of life of going outside, of getting the hose, of dragging it over, and of spraying in strategic locations to help these plants grow and thrive. So that's the first image to keep in mind as we think about what these practices are for us. And the second image, uh, which really ties into that, comes from our Old Testament lesson in our worship guide this morning. And, And it's an invitation from God to thirsty and hungry people. And he says, come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat without money, without cost. Why do you spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me, eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Give ear, come, listen that you may live. And what I hope those two images show us is that these practices in the early church or these habits that we see going on are not just a new set of rules to follow. They are not a new grading scale by which God is judging our lives. These practices are ways that we come to enjoy and rest and find refreshment and renewal and life in Him. So all of these practices we've got to see are grounded in grace and help us grow in that same grace. These are ways in which we come to God with great need and he meets us with his generous provision, which is why these practices are often called means of grace, because they are ways by which we access or connect with God's free and generous love in our lives. And that brings us to the four practices that are listed here. And we don't have time to look at each of these in depth, but I want to consider just the heart of each. So first, the apostles' teaching. Remember, the apostles were those who were sent by Jesus, and they were sent to be witnesses and kind of heralds of this incredible work that God is doing, sending his son as a sacrifice for sin, as a source of new life, and as the true king who is going to make all things right. They they were sent to announce what God had done. And what we see the apostles doing is they're traveling around to different cities, shepherding the people and using 
the scriptures of the Old Testament to show how Jesus is this long-awaited Messiah. Their, their lives were not taken up with just giving the people all these new rules to live by, but with preaching Jesus and showing how all of life is changed in light of who he is and who we are in him. Uh, back in the 13th century, there was a monk named St. Fran- Francis of Assisi, and, and he once said, preach the gospel always, but use words if necessary. And there's something I really like about that because it challenges us to be living messages, sharing the love of Christ about the way we live. But what I don't like about it is that it can minimize easily something that's critical for our faith, that actual words, descriptions, tangible truths that can be understood and digested are critical for our life of faith. Because what we see throughout the scriptures is God is not hiding. He is constantly revealing himself, telling about who he is in specific ways, showing what he does, wanting to be known and trusted and followed by his people. And so as the the apostles are announcing this good news, declaring about Jesus and giving specific details for them to ground their faith in, the people are attentive. They are listening. They are soaking it up like thirsty plants. And not just individually, but together at the heart of the apostles' teaching is this gospel. And that's what this community is devoting themselves to, a daily intake of this good news to give them life. Which brings us to the second practice or habit, and that's fellowship. When we hear the word fellowship, uh, we might think about hanging out before church and having coffee and donuts and catching up about how the week's been, but the biblical word is actually much richer. It, it communicates a shared life. Uh, There's a good picture that comes from Tolkien's book, The Fellowship of the Ring, because in this book, the Fellowship of the Ring is a group that has been formed for the sole purpose of destroying the Ring of Power and, and thus ending the threat of evil overtaking the world that they love. They... The the fellowship means they are bound together on a mission. And what you see throughout the book is a shared life. There's a we're in this together that shapes all that they do. And so they fight together. They sacrifice together. They give their lives for one another. That's That comes very close to this biblical idea of fellowship. And it's really what we see in this passage. They This early family of faith we see is on a mission. They are doing life together. They are searching the scriptures together. They are sharing wisdom together. They are practicing hospitality together. They are attending to the needs of one another, even selling their possessions and sacrificing and giving generously to any who are in need. Uh, The Christian life is not this solo endeavor and a critical practice for us is fellowship, is, is sharing life together, which I realize is difficult during this season, but it is a way of life that is meant to shape us, that is vital for our growth. Which brings us to our third practice, and that's the breaking of bread. Every week, when we gather as a church, as one body, there is a time in the service that I will say these words. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, 
which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The breaking of the bread is a celebration of this meal again and again and again by God's people. And there's been much debate over the centuries over what exactly happens in this meal and how it works. And there is much that is a mystery, but this much we do hold to, that this meal actually nourishes us. Uh, Not just our bodies, but our souls. It is a spiritual meal by which the life of Jesus becomes more a part of who we are. And this is one of the practices that we have been missing out as a family during this COVID shutdown. And it's one of the practices that I really greatly look forward to, of having the good news of Jesus presented before us in bread and in wine in such a unique and powerful way where we see he is freely given to us and that as we take him in and find nourishment in him, we are given life. And that brings us to our final practice, and that is the prayers. And prayer simplest definition is it is talking to God. That includes giving thanks, acknowledging his goodness and greatness, confessing our sin, pleading for help. It's all of those and more mixed all together. And if you want to know what this probably looked like for the early church, go to the Psalms because the Psalms are had been the prayer book for God's people throughout the ages. And so often when we simply don't know what to say, we we need guides and helps. And the Psalms really give words to the desires and groanings of our hearts. And what I want us to see is, is that their direct engagement with God, not only in individual prayer, but in community prayer, was something that was vital to their life together. It was a practice by which they grew in maturity, in hope, in faith, and in love. And in light of that, I want to close with one of my favorite prayers in Scripture. Um, But before I do, I want to encourage you to consider the discussion questions in your guide. These messages just are very brief, and there's so much more to unpack and personalize. And I'd encourage you to take some time by yourself, or even better, in community with others, and consider what tending to your own growth would look like and what it would look like for you to ground your life in these practices, which are not new rules for living, but are means by which the good news of what Jesus has done takes deeper root in our lives. And so here's my prayer for us all from Ephesians 3, which I think captures the heart of why God gives us all these practices. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend, to grasp with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge that you, that we, might be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen.